Hello, good morning, and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Wade In podcast, coming to you at roughly midday on Monday morning as we record this with the usual team of Kevin Blake, Brendan Duke, and Tony Calvin, of course. But before we get chatting to them, just a quick reminder of Betfair's Serial Winners Fund with Rachel Blackmore. Uh, of course, you know this by now that on Betfair Chase Day at Haydock, they added 100 grand to a pot, and every time Rachel Blackmore rides a winner, they add a further 5k to the pot so it's currently at 145,000 and it runs from now until the Grand National and it's a great way for Betfair, Rachel and everyone to support not only the Irish injured jockeys but also the English injured jockeys fund as well um, so yeah, delighted that it's already at 145,000 that is the housekeeping out of the way boys, obviously this is going to be a bit of a different show because A it's the return of Footsteps to the Festival. This is week one of Footsteps to the Festival. It starts now, guys. The March countdown is on. But also, we've got loads of time for Footsteps in the fest- to the Festival because there hasn't been a huge amount of racing, Brendan. Fog getting in the way over there. Rain getting in the way over here. Proper January, isn't it? A bit depressing. Well, it's interesting you say that, Vanessa. I thought it could be a depressing show until I realized that this is, in fact, going to be a seminal episode because I am going to take this pod to the moon. Two people since Christmas have said to me that they find it very relaxing listening to this show, so much so that they use it to fall asleep. <laughs> and as you as you know, the sleep industry is into the billions. We can tap into this rich scene. So I am uh, going to make representations to change the name Footsteps to the Festival to the Snooze Fest, and we're all going to be millionaires. Love it, Brendan. <laughs> Lovely yeah. attitude. I've actually also had feedback on this show that I know one friend in particular that list never gets to the end of an episode because she listens to it to go to sleep. So. <laughs> I don't know what that means for UTC specifically, but clicks, at least you're helping clicks. people in some way, hey, TC? Well, I wish it would send me to sleep because obviously I don't. But yeah, that's I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you some feedback because we've got a light show. Go on. I actually, because obviously I, I just do not sleep, literally. If I get three hours, I'm happy. So oh. I think it was about 18 months ago, they sent me to a sleep clinic clinic. Uh, just off the um, Fulham Palace Road. And they actually gave me a sleep apnea machine, which I've got upstairs. But you basically put a mask on all night and it pumps oxygen in and makes you sleep. But I've got a kind of, I'm quite claustrophobic. So I tried it, but I just can't, I just can't wear it. So don't tell the NHA that. NHS that because I've got a very valuable machine upstairs just gathering dust, but uh, stick it on oh. stick it on eBay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say stick it on your ear. So, yeah, I, I can handle that. But yeah, but yeah, wow. um, yeah. Like if it, I, I'm going to so basically, I'm going to listen to it tonight and see if it works. So okay, like it. Well done, TC. Give us some feedback next week. I don't know how your sleep patterns are, Kev, but honestly, I like I can go to bed at 8.30 p.m. and not get up till 8.30 a.m. And I can oh, have nice. slept from about 8.45 all the way through. I sleep that way. Yeah. No, like, like I, I only appreciate it now compared to, to my good wife. I honestly think like it, I, one of my superpowers is my sleep prowess. Yeah. Like it. it like uh, because I will often, as as clearly lots of our listeners do, I will often, especially if I'm away from home, I'll turn on a podcast and put it beside the bed, 
And you know the way you wake up the next morning and you try and figure out how much you've listened to to go back. Like I will generally be asleep two minutes within within hitting the pillow and, and I will sleep through. And I, and, and I can get on a plane and I will fall asleep before we take off and I do not wake up until we land. Like honestly, it is a superpower because the poor old missus does struggle a bit with um, with getting to sleep. Uh, so you, you appreciate it when it's uh, when, it, when it's good, I suppose. But yeah, it's a bit, bit of a superpower, I reckon. One last yeah, thing I'm... before we move on. When I did that, <laughs> when I went to the sleep clinic, apparently the average person wakes up three times an hour, whether you whether you registers or not. I was waking up thirty seven times an hour because they put all monitors all over your chest. So literally, I was not sleeping, even if I was out for three hours. I was literally. But, was this the same when you were a young fella, Tony, or is it more recently? Um, I don't know really. I don't know. It's like well, it must have I, bad experiences in your teenage years. Yeah. The lads bursting into your room, giving you hiding when you're sleeping or something like that. Got all paranoid. We yeah. should move on because otherwise our viewers will actually all joking aside. Be um, so as discussed, very limited action to look back on in terms of a racing review section. Basically, we just saw the one race from Nace, which we will get to uh, that debacle in a minute. But that one race was. First race on the card that was won by Knight and Day, who's been cut to 20 to 1 from 50s for the Mayor's Chase. Um, I mean, anything else? Sussex <laughs> National to discuss? That was quite a good segue into that that conversation, into Knight and Day winning. <laughs> yeah, I see that. I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, hope you're not, hope, I hope you're not wanting us to analyse that race, Fee, because it's... A... <laughs> we might as well do with the fog situation now, haven't we? Yeah, let's yeah. do that. I mean, the integrity line coming out is a new one. But anyway, for anyone who missed it, obviously Nace under an inspection in the most throughout most of the morning racing might not be able to go ahead because of the fog finally i think it was at like it was as late as about 11 wasn't it they get the all clear excuse the pun to go ahead with racing despite the fact that as far as i could tell the fog didn't seem to have cleared that much they went ahead with racing then after the first race jockeys came back in various people complaining that you know how can you have a spectator sport when you can't see it obviously a nightmare for the commentators nightmare for everyone really and they called the meeting off they've rescheduled the meeting for friday which means that we'll see the lawless novices hurdle on friday the grade one on the card so that is good news but should it have ever got through the second morning inspection kev like the fog never really changed did it Look, it's it's really tough. This and fog is particularly difficult because, like, it it ebbs and flows. Like, and and in fairness, like various different people are there. I was watching. I was I was there. I was following it on Twitter, and I ho- a heap of people I follow were there. And at various times during the morning, they were saying, "Oh, it looks like it's coming through. It looks like it's going to be okay. Oh, it's gone bad again." And I almost said, like yesterday, I was I was we're going we're segueing all sorts of directions for this show. But I said yesterday, I was mad to go for a run, especially after racing was uh, was cancelled. And I was looking out the window, and the fog cleared, beautiful. Could see the green grass at home. It looked lovely. Took out put on my gear, headed off. Within ten minutes, I was down to about. 40 yards visibility on narrow country roads and I took my life into my hands. It does that. It comes up and down. Um, they're a mad keen to run, as they always are. And it, it, it's really tough. And I was really surprised. I put up an old poll on Twitter there just to get a gauge of um, stay-at-home punters, I suppose. And I was a bit surprised at how evenly it was split between go-ahead and not go-ahead. 66% ended up saying... And postpone and rearrange. Uh, I, I thought it might be higher, um, because as a visual spectacle, it, like it's obviously pretty much zero. Um, they had 
the tracker camera there, um, ready to go, but they couldn't see far enough in front. They have to drive around the track, apparently, which kind of tells you something. Um, so, look, it, it was really unsatisfactory, really unlucky for Nace. They did their best to get it on. Um, but look, at I think when when it, when it wasn't um, retreating, I think you had to call it off. They, they did the right thing, but you, you just feel really sorry for them, for them all, wouldn't you? Bit of a mess. Um, but look, that's nature. Hopefully, it's okay on Friday. It'll be free in for everyone on Friday, which is um, which is a nice touch. Um, and look, on we go. Such as weather, such as winter, not good for anyone. But um, yeah, and look at when you have races like that, you know. We're sitting here looking at a result. Who knows what happened? <laughs> you know, and uh, that's not satisfactory, clearly. TC, were you pleased that they called it off from a betting point of view? If you can't see it, are you inclined to bet on it? I, I didn't watch any race live over the weekend, but and I was on a train coming back yesterday afternoon, so I didn't I didn't kind of like watch the everything events unfold. But it sounds like it should never have gone ahead. I mean, if you can't see it, then is it really a sport? Um, the integrity side of it is is obviously crucial. Obviously, we get non-triers hiding in plain sight every single day of the week. So when there's fog, there's obviously there's obviously integrity uh, issues there. Um, I was trying to think of any any other sports that would go ahead in those kind of circumstances where the paying public and the TV people at home just can't see anything and I couldn't readily come up with one I I remember and I had to go back and have a look at this I remember when Canton racing well, I've actually got the date on December the 1st 2022 and it went ahead and it was just absolutely ridiculous uh Wing Canton and uh I think we I think we had the we conversation at the time whether you know if, if you can't see it I mean you shouldn't be you know you shouldn't be you shouldn't be racing should you and I think the irony of Kevin's Kevin's favourite uh, actress, Brandy Love. The 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 irony of Brandy Love performing when nobody could see her is uh, <laughs> been lost on Kevin because uh, um, it's like I said, it's it's just a recipe for disaster, isn't it? But I didn't watch the events unfold. I don't know whether it lifted sufficiently to give them hope and it came back in again. But uh, maybe Brendan watches every sport under the sun. Uh, yeah. I, I quite like the dance to be um, uh, taking place in fog where you can't see anything. You just like you just say, right, I've got five oh one nine darts all the time. Yeah, no, 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 no. The darts isn't a joke. I don't think you take darts seriously as a sport, do you? <laughs> didn't didn't, uh, didn't one didn't one darts player famously say? He said, "Of course, it's a sport. I wear trainers." Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into the the, the semantics of uh, whether it's a, a sport or not. But I mean, it's it's, it's pure theatre. It's pure pure drama. And it, I mean, you do have to make an athletic move to throw a dart. You know, it's not chess. At the same time, well, you, you, I, I couldn't ask you to throw a dart for me. So I mean, it could, it could be. And we talked about this before. If you go back into the annals of time, the only sports are ones that involve animals. Uh, the rest are games, so who, who could it's still, but but I mean, it is the, they are the heirs apparent to archers. This is this is like one of these medieval tournaments, it absolutely stirs the soul stuff. We've, the we've digressed. I feel like I feel like I lost control of this pod at minute one, and it's it's, it's fine, it's fine. We we can jump around a bit. Oh, but so, I'll tell so, you, sorry, Vanessa, just, just just 
No, go on. I want I want Brendan's view on whether they should have raced or not. Yes, uh, sorry, but it can be, uh, be because I was there and yeah. uh, hu huge crowd in the place. Now I only had to come from Dublin and I had a lift, but as as you know, I give good morale, and it was it was tough on the way home. The two lads in front were despondent. They've they've gone down. They couldn't see anything. One race. What are we going to do now? Um, I still think I would lean towards running it. I, I, it depends whether you, I, I suppose, who you think is more important, the participants or the viewers. I would say on balance, because how many meetings are you going to lose? I mean, the likes of Exeter. Exeter seems to have terrible uh, trouble with fog. And I mean, we even have a situation now where this is going to be rerun on Friday. Now, I don't think the Irish trainers are going to be as precious as, say, a certain... Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> and, and, and I don't think they're going to say, I don't think they're going to say, oh, well, it's five days closer to the DRF, but they might. And it also might be where it's not so, so straightforward to reschedule a meeting. So get the form in the book. People have to interpret what, what happens. I suppose you could ask the jockeys after, did you make a mistake? Now, jockeys. They're, <laughs> did you try? <laughs> jockeys kind of live in their own reality. I mean, we all do to a degree. So, I, so I'm not going it, to, it's not ideal, but on balance, I would be inclined, inclined to run it. But I felt desperately sorry for Nace because as I said, mm. there was a right crowd in the place, really, really good atmosphere and it was snatched from us. One thing that was funny, but you were at the course, Ryan McHugh was there as well. The odds I met him, yeah. yeah. He actually said they weren't giving out any information on course. And he went on Twitter and said, can anybody tell me what's going on here? And it was quite funny. He got, he got a response from Australia of someone watching it on the TV, and he told him what was going on at oh, a track that he was present at. Oh, and they did make a couple of announcements. Now, they said uh, before the first day, we're, we're going to have a slight de delay. And then they said, I suppose significantly, the jockeys are happy to race. Because I think ultimately it was the jockeys that got a, got a call. I, I was obviously under a, a misapprehension. I thought that the, the stewards had to be able to see the last fence from their box. But that's clearly not because you couldn't see the last fence. Uh, so it, it was up to the jockeys. And then they came in and they said, basically, they were they, they were riding on memory to try to try and get around. So 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 you can't have that. But then they said, um, they just to let you know that the stewards and the jockeys and trainers are in consultation. And we, 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 we let you know. I didn't think it was terrible, actually, in terms of letting people know what was going on. What were you about to chime in with, Kev? Like I just wonder, like about the criteria of deciding who makes the decision, you know, because this crack of consulting jockeys and consulting trainers and consulting lots of different people, like is that right? Because if you ask a trainer, uh, and by, by pure coincidence, you know, on, on racing TV, we we got the detailed views of of not one but two people, you know, intricately linked with the Willie Mullins stable who had three odds on favourites, and that, I mean, <laughs> you know, like you know, you know, we all understand self interest, like, but I, you know, should we really be? Should the opinions of those with direct involvement really? Um, carry weight and of course in the jockeys case if they say look we don't think it's safe to ride you have to take that on board clearly um, but you it's know that... the jockeys thing is really interesting when it comes to whether it's like fog or rain or anything you know any low sun low sun because I've been on track a couple of times um, well plenty of times when there's been you know an inspection for whatever reason but two spring to mind one was at Wolverhampton one evening when like a sort of freezing fog came down jockeys came in and said that they didn't feel they didn't want to race in it it wasn't safe like it was a really thick freezing fog 
Um, but as it felt like as soon as they raised the safety concerns, it was almost 101 to be called off because mm. we all know, obviously, if anything did happen, God forbid, and it, w- it was fed back that a jockey had said it was unsafe, that'd be, that would be a disaster. Um, and then another time I was at Brighton when the heavens opened. I mean, it rained and it rained and it rained and it rained and the jockey said it wasn't safe and the stewards went out there and stood their ground. Do you remember that meeting? It was quite recently. And they stood there and they said, no, get on with it. And, you know, high profile jockeys, Tom Marquand was there, you know, like there was unhappiness in the weighing room and they said, cop yourself on and get on with it. But anyway, the whole the whole point is, is it made me realise that there is no rules to who makes the decision, right? Like, Yeah, and it, it seemed to be yesterday, like a, a lot of people were looking around hoping someone would make the decision for them, you know, and I don't know if that's right either. And like in a situation like that, is there enough consideration for the public you know, like if you could have got the tracker cam rolling there, like it might have been okay, but yeah. like without the tracker cam, like it's there's it just raises all sorts of concerns. Like, and I, and I don't think we've seen it a few times in the past where you know quite high profile races have been run in fog, and they've gone into the form book, and you know there's no useful in running notes or footage or anything, and like I, I don't think that's really satisfactory either. No. Um, so look, it's a mess. Hopefully, it doesn't arise too often going forward, but. Um, look, hopefully Friday goes smoothly for them because you'd feel sorry for them. We all know Nace do a particularly good job and um, they, they didn't deserve that streak of bad luck. Um, so yeah, hopefully Friday goes okay. It's it's a grey area. Excuse another You like that. Um, <laughs> should we move on to Footsteps of the Festival, guys? Which, of course, Up is the festival. countdown <laughs> the festival in March and Today, we're kicking off how we have done the last couple of years. We are looking at the big races on the Tuesday. So the Supreme, the Arkle and the Champion Hurdle. This is our anti-post look ahead and the more general chat in regards to how these races are shaping. TC, let's start with you and the Supreme. We have discussed it on this show between us. Um, specifically how we feel that, you know, the novice hurdling division just hasn't really properly caught fire this season. Um, and in the two-mile division, we have Jericho de Reponé up at the top at 5-1, to one, the big hype horse. A dream to share is next best, not seen yet as 7-1. to one. There seems to be a lot of concerns about whether he'll make it this season at all. Um, Caldwell Prin there, obviously impressive at the... At the um at, at Leperstown at Christmas, Farron Glory. It's for me. Bally Burn will go up and trip. Firefox in there at fourteens. He'll go up and trip. I mean, this really is a case of I don't know a bit meh for a supreme at this stage of the season. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, you can you can see this division totally looking totally different in a couple of months, can't you? Because something's just got to come out and and stamp themselves on this on this race. Um. And also, we haven't got any entries for this race until January the 23rd. So, you know, we don't know. We could be talking about horses that won't even be entered, which is obviously clearly not ideal. But, you know, Jericho de Reponet heads the betting. Um, just just by sufferance, really, isn't he? Because, like, obviously, he's, he's one, two. The target, they're staying at two miles by the sounds of it. It was more impressive last time. Uh, but the fact of the matter is the five-to-one favourite, is only rated officially rated 132 and mm. is only rated 131 with albeit with a large p with time form and that's 16 pounds off their highest rated horse um 
yeah, it's 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 a real mess. And well, I know Brendan said about a dream to share last week, or was it the week before? But I think Frank Berry did an interview with Lucky last week, and he was he was a bit pessimistic about <clears throat> when that horse was going to be seen and whether he'll be seen to best effect give her the break in March. And and that's the second favour. And that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, <clears throat> I had a, like to say for the first time, uh, I had a look at this race in any depth last night and then again this morning. And I just thought Farron Glory was was the standard setter. Um, and the sportsbook are ducking him at 10s. That's the lowest price around. But he is 16s elsewhere. And he is around about that price on the exchange. And I just think, um, you know, obviously he's a Royal Bond winner. He wasn't the greatest Royal Bond winner. But that said, the winners come out and beat Mirazura West next time, in, who's high up in the betting as well. So I thought Farron Glory is a standard set. I think he's overpriced. Um, he was training at fives on when he came down two out in the Tolworth. Uh, I asked uh, Dan Barber for for the time for ratings this morning, and he, they've got for the juvenile horses, and they've got Caldwell Potter at one four seven p, Farron Glory one one four five p, Django by one four four p, Ballyburn one four three p, and like I said, Jericho one point one three one p. So, yeah, on all known evidence. Um, I think Farron Glory should be a lot, lot shorter than he is in the in the wider marketplace. And he'd be the one I'd be leaning towards that. But obviously the Betfair Coddy alive for his price by going tens. But yeah, Farron Glory for me. But again, we don't know how, you know, how that falls affected him, how he's come out, how he's come out of that. So there's so many questions about this market. I, I suspect that market is I think this is one market's gonna change dramatically in the next couple of months. Do you concur, Kev? Do you see this looking very different come that Tuesday in March? Yeah, I could easily do so. Like for all the reasons Tony mentions, and Farron Glory, I don't mind him at all. Like I, like I, I think he was going to absolutely bolt up at Aintree, to be honest. Um, because like at Fairy House, it, it took him a little while to to really fully roll. Whereas, um, and he was very strong late on. Whereas at Aintree, like he was literally running away, turning into the straight. And he travels so easily to the front. Like I would have been very surprised if he didn't win well. Um, but how strong was that race? That's another question. Um, I, I like another one of Gordon's actually. I think Caldwell Potter is probably the overpriced one at the minute. Um, he's not flash, and you get the impression that Gordon, um, that he isn't like the top of Gordon's pecking order, but that doesn't mean he can't be a supreme winner. You know, he's the type. Um, there's talk of him going up and trip, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they kept him around the minimum for his next start. And then if that goes well, drive on for the Supreme. Um, cause I, I quite like that type, you know, the more like the, the horse that will stay a bit further in, in the fullness of time. I don't mind that type for the Supreme. And um, look, he's a grade one winner. And and he's still, you know, a double figure price in a race with, with an awful lot of uncertainty and, um, and I suppose reputation-based pricing in there. And like a dream to share, you'd be very worried about him getting there. Um, like it, with, with his connections and everything else, like I don't think they'll be busting their arses to get him to Cheltenham if, if he's not doing it easily. You know, I think they could be quite happy waiting until the the you know other grade ones later in the spring if need be, rather than rushing there. Um, so I, I'd be quite cautious about him. And sure, the, the Fav Jericho, like, how can you not like him? But the level isn't there yet, and there's all the promise for the level to be there, but you just couldn't really. Um, well, I couldn't really entertain him at the price uh, because I'm sure there, there's much more, um, hopefully many more cards to be played in the coming weeks. But um, as we stand right now, like I think Caldwell Potter 
is very interesting. And uh, I think he's going to go for the DRF. So um, he'll get a chance to enhance his prospects between now and then. Yeah, it's amazing about, you know, when trainers sort of quotes and what they say tie in with horses' prices because, you know, Caldwell Potter did it well when we last saw him. And yet, as Kevin's outline there, you know, Gordon came out and, you know, didn't seem to speak that highly of him really but you know if they keep showing up on the track Brendan then that's what it counts for and who knows where his ceiling might be at and Far and Glory both of them 10 to 1 pokes who who do you want to throw into the mix if anyone well basically I had three horses to talk about the first one was Far and Glory because <laughs> I was so impressed with the way he tanked through the Royal Bond and overcame a mistake at the last and so impressed with the way he tanked uh, uh, through through the race in in Aintree as well, but ultimately I decided that was such a cruel fall he took. I would struggle to back a horse off the back of taking so, so, uh, that, that kind of a fall. So uh, the other one was Caldwell Potter. I mean, I just love Caldwell Potter. He's such a bonny horse. Just the way he goes uh, through his races, he looks to have a great attitude, a great uh, head carriage, and I, you can definitely pick holes in the form of that future champions race in Leopardstown because only himself and Predators Gold really handled conditions which were filthy on the day. Uh, but I do rate that Predators Gold, and I think putting six lengths into him, albeit Predators Gold made a mistake at the last. Funny enough, Caldwell Potter made a mistake at the last having put in an exhibition of jumping up to that and I'm inclined to think he might go for this race now again a lot of moving parts it's always the same with these anti anti post proofs so I thought Firefox was going to win on Sunday and will win on Friday oh you've muted yourself Brandon <laughs> this is high drama. <laughs> this, this, is, this is drama because he was mid flow there and he was going on about Firefox, was going to win on Sunday, is going to win on Friday. Now there he's you back. Go. here oh. we go. We've got him. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry, uh, I, 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 I did, I've never had this before. A WhatsApp telephone call came in. Can we can can, can we start that from? Uh, oh, no, no, the, the normal rules don't apply here. It's win on Sunday. It will win on Friday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's see if I can. I, I, yes, I think Barbara will win on Friday. In which case, I think that uh, Gordon will will leave him for the Ballymore. And Caldwell Potter, if I saw Caldwell Potter enter for the two-mile race at the DRF, I would back him anti-post for, for the Supreme. But I don't think you need to do it till then. You, 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 you can wait and see. And uh, the final horse, because I have to throw something different into the mix, is this bulldog. Joseph O'Brien recruit from Stuart Crawford. Now, not an obvious one. Took four bumper runs to win a race. That happened in Hexham, and he was seven to one. But then he... Then he rocks up on New Year's Day in, in Tremor, and um, he's, he's, he's a grand big horse, apparently, Kevin was telling me. He looked at, looked at on, on the telly, and he jumps off, jumped off in front, actually, and just way too keen, and Slevin tries to get tries to take a lead, and he was still too keen. The horse was still running with the choke out, coming down, down to the second last, and but didn't fall in a hole. I was convinced he was going to fall in the hole. Now, it was seven lengths back to that gorgeous, or five lengths back to that gorgeous Tom, who had previously finished seven lengths behind Caldwell Potter and Navin. I'd say that gorgeous Tom will end up maybe a, a 130 horse. I'd say I'd say he's promised. Now, I wouldn't go mad with the stemming because Caldwell Potter made a mistake in, in, in Navin. But having said that, this ball dog is 40 to 1. 
for, for the Supreme. He's by authorised. He had a big knee action on it. was desperate ground down in Tremor. But again, the way he tanks through his races, the way he could probably do the knees in the ground, what's the obvious race to go for? If you're going to go for a Cheltenham race, I'm not saying they will, it would surely be the Supreme. So I thought at, at, at 40 to 1, he might be one that you could take a flyer at in such an open race. Okay, case beautifully made, Brendan. But you know what your biggest problem with that is? Uh-huh. That Kevin Blake hasn't mentioned him. In which yeah. case... That's a positive. <laughs> That's a positive. That old one, yeah. <laughs> um, no, like I... He, he's a bit of a project horse because he, he is what he looked in his race. Like he's quite um he, he's quite hard on himself and he pulls hard at home. And that's why he went to Tremor really was to kind of keep him turning and, and hope that he relaxed. And his finishing effort was really encouraging. Um, I think the plan is to go to Punchestown there in about five weeks for a listed novice hurdle. Um, and that track should suit him as well. He'd mind, I'd say he won't mind going the other way around because he does jump a bit left. Um, but if he came through that um, and, and won well, I suppose, look, you'd have to consider, I suppose. But I just, in my own head, I see him as a bit of a, as a bit of a project longer term because he just takes a bit of, he's just taking a bit of minding mentally. But um, there's loads of ability there. Now, I'd say you're on the right track. It could be very nice, but he just needs to kind of do the right thing and, and do it in an energy efficient way. Okay. There is the update from Racing planner kevin blake let's move on then to the arkle kev you can have first swing at this uh even money marine national after what he did uh in his honors chasing debut at leperstown Fasal vega obviously beat that day out to nine to one off the back of that found of 50 10 to 1 11 to 1 blood destiny gaelic warrior 12s ilete toms 12s uh, Mr. Policeman, 12s. Obviously, a few of those names likely to go for the mid-div trip, which will frustrate Kevin Blake hugely, but let's not go into that. Um, Marine Nationale's price, he deserves to be the even-money favourite, doesn't he, on what, everything we know of him at this stage? Um, look, at he was very short before he ever jumped the fence in public, and, and then he went to Leopardstown. Uh, Barry Connell took his time. Um, he he does he has his own way of doing things, Barry. But you looked didn't he get the didn't he get the Beano last year? So we won't question him too much. But um, in fairness, he probably I know there was mixed mixed reports um, or mixed assessments out. But I thought he was very good in his chasing debut. Um, I liked his jumping. He, he was efficient. He was measured. Um, the only pick I picked with him with was that he kind of adjusted out to his right at the at the first stitch. But but other than that, he, he his technique was lovely. We know he's a very good horse. Um, and look, when you get into the sort of territory he's in, where he'll almost certainly go off odds on, I suppose you have to pick and poke a small bit. Um, and it's not so much of what he did at Leopardstown, but more so that he had this wind operation that we didn't find out about until afterwards, that he wore a tongue tie. Um, you know, can you can you interpret that as a red flag? And you certainly wouldn't take it as a positive. Um, but that's the only thing you can poke at him with. Um, and look at, looking at the market as a whole, I'm afraid, Vanessa, for, for the reason you briefly alluded to there, like really what I find myself doing here is trying to put myself into the mad brain of Willie Mullins and trying to figure out what he's going to run because whatever he runs is going to be second fav and there's enough room for pulling and dragging and ducking and diving in amongst the contenders there to make you think about it. Um, we've raised the possibility in recent weeks that Gaelic Warrior could potentially be one to drop back and trip um, and while I don't think dropping back and trip would be any problem at all for him personally, um, just the more I think about it, I, 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 I'm thinking it's less likely that it would happen here. 
um, for two reasons. Number one, the Turners would be um, a much softer spot for him and the new track would probably be more sympathetic for him than the old track um, with his you know, well-established tendency to jump out to his right. So I've cooled on that prospect. And then you ask yourself, right, which one is it going to be? Um, Mr. Policeman, where we're going to see yesterday, we might see him on Friday now. Um, he needs to take a jump forward. He's all reputation and no substance at the minute. So mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see what he does um, on Friday to, to better um, assess his chance. Fasal Vega... Um, looked to be the Arkle horse, of course, but then he he blotted his copybook big time last time at Leopardstown. And I just I often find with Willie when his first um his first view tends to be the one he sticks with. And he did well, he was quite quick to mention the possibility of going up in trip. Um different owner to Gaelic Warrior as well. So could he join Gaelic Warrior there? It'd be a possibility, I reckon. And you can go through a few others. I won't go through them all. But the one I keep coming back to is Blood Destiny. I love this chasing debut. Thought he was super impressive um, over the mid-range trip, but showed the jumping technique of a two-miler, um, or certainly one that would be fully effective at two miles, like low, aggressive. Um, I really liked him. I, I thought he was one of the most impressive chasing debuts we've seen all season. And different owner to Gaelic Warrior, Put yourself in Willie's shoes. What do you want to do? Take on Gaelic Warrior at a shade of odds on or take on Marine National at a shade of odds on? Um, and I thought he might just be the one that, that comes back in trip and, and takes up that engagement. And look, he'd be my selection. I, I'd fancy him if he, if he ran there. Really liked him. Horse with a big reputation last season. Didn't quite do it fully on track. But fences might be the thing that um that brings it. You know, Willie... Willie, the setups like Willie's, they rarely get it wrong when they really like one. And sometimes it can just take time for it to come out. Um, Dino Blue is a good recent example of that. And yeah, I, I think he could be a, a smashing Arkle horse and, and he'd be the one I'd be pointing to at the minute. Okay. Yeah. Fair cop to Kev because he was very keen on Blood Destiny, as he says, on that chasing debut. Um, TC, who would you like to throw into the mix? Is there anything at a much bigger price that we're sort of not mentioning yet? No, it's not a real race that uh, really kind of infuses me at this point. Um, We've got the entries are out for this race on January the 16th. Now, I don't think that's going to tell us much because Willie's going to probably enter all his novice chases in the two mile, two mile, four and three miles just yeah. in case something happens. So and probably we... half his novice hurdlers as well, just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, but I wasn't, I'm not saying he wasn't impressive, but Marie Nationale didn't impress me as much as the other novice chases around the Christmas period. Uh, so, I'm not going to have a bet. And like I say, I haven't had a bet at Cheltenham and I probably aren't going to be playing anti-post, to be perfectly honest here. But if if, if you ask me to place one bet now, uh, I and you can lay Marie Nationale at even money on the exchange, even though he is even money with a sportsbook and that's the best price around, I'd probably be like the sportsbook odds compilers and want to take Marie Nationale on. Um, the first time tongue tie, as Kevin referenced, would be would worry me. Uh, incidentally, did the Irish trainers and owners, did they obviously it was introduced over here? You have to declare wind up some time ago. Did the Irish trainers and owners rail against that? Um, I know I certainly wrote a few times about it at the time, saying, you know, you know, this is something we got to do to match up and um, talking to people behind the scenes. 
sometimes, well, and it's a bit irritating at times, but sometimes over this side of the water, when British racing does something, you get the impression that the Irish are almost inclined not to do it, just <laughs> so they're not seen to be following, even if it's the right thing. Um, and a, a, a wider issue, but for the show that's in, and we can't sidetrack a bit, like I do think the BHA got it wrong the way they did it. Um, they like they do when you declare that your horse has had a breeding operation, you do have to stipulate what type of breeding operation it was, but they don't publish that information. I think that's a massive misstep. And you know, I highlighted it multiple times since, and they said, Oh, they kind of push it down the road and say, Oh, I think we will in due course, but they, they haven't. I think there's a there's a huge amount of application for that data. Um, you put the right guys on that and you could you could sort out you, you have a fair chance of sorting out, you know, which which ones are more effective than others. And it's important to know the extra you know, the the level of the breeding up. You know, you can get something very small, relatively like a like a soft palacauterization and you know, something much more severe like a hob day. And I'd like to know that info in a in a racing context, never mind the kind of a uh, analysis of the data for veterinary purposes. But it goes without saying, like this should be the case in Ireland. They should be publishing this as well. Um and geez, I don't know how, how many years has it been now? Is it five or six years now yeah, since they brought it in? Five years, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's disappointing that they haven't followed through because it it was a it was a positive step, albeit one that wasn't executed as well as I personally would have liked. But um, yeah, maybe it's something to revisit. Well, I'll ask the question and see can I get a reply in time for ne- in time for next week because it um they should be doing it. Yeah, so just to summarise, I mean. Gaelic Warrior, one bookmaker is normal no bet. They go five to two Gaelic Warrior. Obviously, I'd like him to see come down in trip because I think he's fundamentally the best novice chaser out there. But the, the most striking thing about the market is even though the official ratings suggest that they are not a million miles away from the, the Irish and what we've seen so far. I mean, the, the it's 33 to one before you get an English uh, rival. Um, I was in, wondering in that, yeah. And you know, you've got Jello, Master Chewy, uh, La Patron, they're all 150 rated chasers and they're totally being dismissed out of the market. I mean, if the bookmakers priced up, will the Irish win or will the English win? It would literally be the true price would probably be about one to 14, 14s if, if you if you looked at their anti-post marks. I'm not sure, I'm not sure that is correct, but you know, the likes of Jello used to be a 130 rated hurdler. So um, yeah, it, it's it's look to me. If I had to have place a bet on the race, I'd probably go on the exchange and lay Marie National uh, at even money because okay. I think he's got more to prove than he showed first time up. <clears throat> imagine this. Imagine this. Just just for a second, because because we were on the show, we're on. Imagine something happened right in March. Maybe I, I don't know what it would have to be. Maybe the ferry companies go on strike, or maybe there, there's an outbreak of some contagious agricultural disease in Ireland that bars. Um, that bars cross-border travel for animals. Imagine the Irish didn't run at Cheltenham. No. What it, what, it, what it would look like. I don't want to. You say this every year, Blake. But I, I, I think I might have said it last year. <laughs> Jesus. What, 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 have, what, have you not suffered enough now? I don't want these doomsday scenarios. People can't sleep to doomsday scenarios. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, before I get your views on the article, a slight diversion, as you've mentioned, Doomsday. You see this dog here? I'll just avoid Just move the camera angle. You see this dog? That's not, that's not your dog, is it? It is my dog. This is Rufus. And oh, on Rufus. the 12th of November, Rufus was gelded. Okay? On the 10th of November, 
Rufus spent the day with the next door neighbor's dog. Rufus. Yesterday, on the 7th of January, the next door neighbor knocked on my door and said, Vanessa, your dog is set to be a father. And I was like, no, you just. Rufus. He was, he was the He was seven and a half months old at the time. Look at him; he's an underage. Uh, and he's fair, fair play to him. What, what, what a boy! The Rufus Hound line will not be denied by you, Vanessa Biddyfile. No, he, he, he his genes live. Good to say so. He heard, he heard, he heard about your plans. He heard no, seriously. So he was booked in on the twelfth, and on the tenth, he went round to the neighbor's house for his daily little play, and he fucked the dog. <laughs> Rufus, I, I salute you, Rufus. Fair play to you. Yeah, he's <laughs> TC, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, good job. Someone's in the house getting some action. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> anyway, Brendan, quickly, your oracle take before this disintegrates. Yes, it's very risque <laughs> stuff for a sleep pod. I'll just say that. But anyway, basically, uh, what, what what to say? Marine National uh, tried to pick pick, pick faults, and the only thing I could possibly say is uh, Barry Connell in his interview after the, the chasing debut in Leopardstown said, "Oh, sure, did you see him before the race? He walked around like an old sheepdog. He did not. He was very toey, in fact. And I don't oh. think the plan was I don't think the plan was to make the run him, but he was keen early, and he went down and winged the first. And O'Sullivan tried to settle him in front, and in fairness to a good job i'm not saying like the horse has a good temper but he's already won a supreme i'm just putting it out there in in, in a way to, to pick holes because what what have you got here you got facile vega willie mullins equine crush thinks he's the best horse in the yard the, like surely even he's starting to to reconsider this thing a horse who lives on his nerves is he going to be regressive found a 50 is going to find Cheltenham uh, on the old course a very difficult experience based on on that mm-hmm. Leopardstown run so ultimately Vanessa as you know talent borrows genius steals so I absolutely love that Blake angle I hadn't because I was I, I I did think okay well Willie's going to drop one back and see how Mr Policeman gets on on Friday but I think Willie will drop one back because he's going to say look I've got all these novice chasers I've only effectively got one horse to beat in the Arkle I too was hugely impressed by Blood Destiny two and a half miles getting the four-year-old but I mean, putting nine lengths into Hartwood, Vanessa, that's Grange Clare West form, just saying. That's that's proper yeah, form. We know how you Jumped. feel about that. Well, it, it, and we know how you feel, but we will. We, this can be an ongoing thread. To, but, <laughs> but 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 uh, I was really excited with the way he relaxed. He was just far too keen over hurdles. But whether it's just age or fences or what have you, but he, he settled beautifully. He jumped beautifully. So I'm just going to jump on that late bandwagon. Fourteen to one looks too big. Okay, we love jumping on a bandwagon. I do that plenty, as everyone well knows. Uh, champion hurdle, then, Brendan. You can have first stab at <laughs> this deep <laughs> market. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing away my notes there. Yeah, <laughs> one to three currently. State man, yeah. four to one, twelve mm. to one. Bar that. Um, I don't even know how to do an anti-post piece for this because it's just ridiculous. Like, are we doing the without betting? I suppose that's probably the angle in if someone's desperate to have an anti-post punt on the champion hurdle. But those people should seek help at this stage, I think. Well, 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 well. I don't know. I mean, this this is a, a preview show, well, a review show. So, but this section is preview. Um, so basically, you have a situation where the forecast for the champion hurdle. Is odds on 
in January. So I mean, these were, so, so so I can't be. I, I mean, what can I be expected to? I know you have to sing for your supper in this game, but I'm I'm going down. You've already done that, Brendan, on this show. You did that uh, in three minutes with that crap uh, speed talk. Have you got okay. a good voice, Brendan? Singing voice. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't think so. I was in a choir in in, in primary school, and, and and they didn't. They had me out the back in the well, the choir for want of a better. But you know when they bring someone forward to do the the, the, the little bit, bit of singing in the end, they left me. They left me. I don't know. Do I have a, a well, good? Say? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I have a rich, mellifluous speaking voice that people sorry. tune into to fall asleep to. That's true. Brendan, you mentioned the choir. You have probably missed the time where I've told you my choir and the, told the rest of the boys my choir anecdote, which oh, that did... I was asked to mime in my school choir by a guy called Mr. Marsh. Mr. Marsh asked me to mime, but I had to be in the choir because it was aesthetically pleasing for the, everyone to build up to me being in the middle of the choir. <laughs> <laughs> we, want you, we want you for your length of leg Vanessa, not yeah, exactly. Voice. <laughs> my leg, which turned out to be a characteristic of my whole life thus far. But in that, so Mr. Marsh asked me to mime in the school choir for the Christmas play thing, the Christmas service. The following day, he fell down the stairs and broke both of his wrists. And he was a piano player by trade, and he couldn't play the piano. And that was when, at the age of nine, I believed in karma. So there you go. <laughs> I, I, I have to say I believe in Mr. Marsh because you know this theory about oak cuisine or what have you, that if something looks beautiful, it will taste better. And of course, we as renowned paddock judges, Vanessa, I like I mean, Actually, TC, TC was only talking about this the other night. I prefer my top class horses to be really good looking horses. Uh, and, and when the two don't match up, I mean, I can deal with it, but but I prefer, I'm a slave to the aesthetic like, like Mr. Marsh. Anyway, back to the riveting champion hurdle from a betting point of view it is riveting because constitution hill is just a joy um i decided i went down to the list and i went oh rubo 66 to one nichols might run him he could finish third so you could effectively back him each way and you'd be getting six to one to finish third and then i said i, I had to get a mirror and i said would you just look at what are you doing with your life here <laughs> and i broke i broke that mirror i broke that because i'd rather have seven years bad luck and talk about this race from an anti-post betting perspective. <laughs> ah, excellent summary. TC, what about yeah. you? I, surely this is just a let's move on moment, is it? Or do you have something for us? I, I've got a picture of Brendan Duke being wheeled to the front of the altar uh, for a singing at nine years old. And then the priest saying, oh, no, not a good idea, because I reckon Brendan had a... I reckon Brendan had a five o'clock shadow when he was nine as well. So. <laughs> yeah, no. He probably came in unshaven. Um, look, if you want to be incredibly filthy, I mean, state, I said it last week or the week before, state man of <laughs> fours each way with a, a minimal loss when he comes second is, you know, and something might happen to Constitution Hill, isn't it? If something happened to Constitution Hill and you took the fours each way, you'd be on a freeze-on poke, wouldn't you? But yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so that that is the bet if there is one. I went through last year's race, and because obviously that's probably the the best barometer. You've got State Man obviously beating nine legs. You've got Zanah here in third, who's now chasing Voban. So I've been to the Melbourne Cup. I I gather we won't be seeing him over hurdles. I think it might be they might be mm. for a flat camp over him. My old mate not so sleepy at sixty sixes, probably a good each way bet because it will go for the race again. 
I like to move it is now deceased in six and seventh of seven was Jason the militant, which means it needs it like a swimming pool to even finish within a mile of the winner. So I'm, yeah, yeah, state man each work force, yeah, man. It's a it's a real it's a real pity, isn't it? Like, and it is a bit perverse. Like that we we were in racing. Like we're always hoping for the next big superstar, you know, because we because stars do sell generally. They you do. know, I'm funny. I'm funny enough. I'm re-listening to the the audio book version of um the book about Robert Sangster, Horse Trader. I've started listening to it there um, lately, which I fully recommend now. Um, I, I have a hard copy, but I'm, I'm really re-listening to it in audio book format. I'm at, towards the beginning. And it's it's very interesting. They're talking about the, the rise in the bloodstock market in America in the 70s. And it was driven by a succession of superstars. It just got everyone really excited and just drove the whole business forward, got lots of attention on it. Um, so superstars do work. Um, as the darts game has found out there in the last couple of weeks, Brendan, without Luke Littner, um, you know, it, it's lifted the tide for everyone, um, record viewing numbers, etc. And Constitution Hill, like it's like quite possibly the best two mile hurdle we've ever seen. But any time his name is raised in conversation, you know, any uh, seasoned or even semi seasoned follower of racing starts yawning, you know, because it's just seen as a bit dull because there's just no meaningful opposition. Well, there is a state man, but he just seems to be a margin clear of him, um, which is a real pity. And um, Nikki's talking about, you know, not, potentially not running him again before Cheltenham, which again makes everyone yawn even harder. And uh, look, from a betting point of view, I put up Pied Piper at the start of the season as one that might run. Um, and, you know, he's still 66 to 1. I wouldn't be getting wildly excited about it now. You know, not so sleepy is one to consider. But um, yeah, like Tony's probably right. Like in terms of the real route to a somewhat happy result, if you can stick on, you probably want to put on two balaclavas rather than one when you're doing it. But um, stay man each way if you if you can get on. Um, is probably going to lead you to at least a satisfactory result, and you know who knows in this game. But um, yeah, it's it's a pity. I, I feel sorry for Constitution Hill a little bit in in that regard. But what can you do? Yeah, you, you probably need a nuclear warhead and two balaclavas rather than the shotgun to actually get a each way bet on up fours. Yeah, we'll celebrate the superstar when he runs. But I mean, it's a I I find it a sad state of affairs. I'm all for having a short price horse and it being a superstar. But like, you for it to be a star, you have to see it run. And the straight to the festival line is just like a dagger mm. to my heart. But anyway, mm. uh, like, would you love to see it run in a handicap? I know it's a ten billion to one, but that that would be fun, wouldn't it? It'd still be odds on in, in any handicap. Happy Randy, I'd imagine. Would. Of course you would. Um, but um, it'd be great fun, but don't think it's going to happen. TC, let's move on to topics. We've already talked about the NACE abandonment, but we do just need to give a bit of time to Sunday night racing. First yep. time controversial Sunday night racing took place. It was at Wolverhampton. Uh, Wolves fixture on Sunday night. Matt Chapman was on course for Sky Sports Racing. They gave it the full coverage in the studio as well. There looked to be a decent enough crowd there, but what's the feedback been? And crucially, what was the betting turnover feedback? Did people punt on Sunday night racing? Um, I haven't seen any big firms come out and say exactly how much they took, but I'm sure that will come out in the next 24 hours or so. Uh, I think they might overplay it rather than underplay it given obviously it's in their favor to have a dead slot um you know like uh, occupied um i'm not sure where you got the idea about a big crowd was well, so obviously we don't get the official crowds to about 
two or three weeks after. On Sorry, the... I just saw a shot that it looked busier than when I'm at Wolverhampton, put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I, mean, I think they said uh, there were 150 paying guests in the lead up to it, which isn't a great deal. I think they said they had 200 owners on course. So... Yeah, well, that's not what I was expecting, but anyway, okay. But, but that, honestly, they could have had a they could have had a load of people walk up on the day, but I seriously doubt it. Um, so I'm not sure how many crowd, how many people were there, but that's not the idea of this, is it? I mean, I, everyone's just thinking this is a precursor to behind closed doors racing. So, uh, but yeah, it was good prize money. The betting percentages um, were a bit stingy. One race was 126 percent for a 12 runner race. Uh, but yeah, it was good prize money. All races were each way one, two, three. Uh, bookmakers were pushing the boat out, going four places. I think nearly all of them were. So I think everyone got behind it, um, apart from very vocal trainers and especially jockeys on the night. I mean, Callum Shepherd did a um, interview on with Matt. I think it was on Sky Sports Racing. Again, I didn't watch it. I mean, Sunday night racing is not for me. Um, but uh, yeah, Callum Shepherd was even after a winner, he was very, very negative. Said he'd rather be anywhere else apart from there, but he had to be there because he's got connections to the trainer and the horse itself. Um, Rab Havlin came out and was similarly negative. Um, and I think Paul Strubbers on Twitter is is kind of like towing the line that the jockeys don't want this, but you know, it's, it's a it's a look, it's a six meeting trial on Sunday evening for much more prize money than they would expect. So even even if someone's as negative as me, just 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 let it roll out for six six meetings and see what we get. But I totally get the situation with stable staff and you don't really want to be at 8.30 at Wolverhampton Day on, on Sunday night and try and get home, etc. But the one interesting thought I, I sent it for earlier it was, I'll have to, due to my notes here, because I always get this name wrong. Um, Ilka Gansira Levesque actually tweeted, uh, she's a female trainer, I think she's in Newmarket, actually tweeted, she wrote, she had the second in the 8.30, and she actually said uh, the winner of the 8.30, all the BHA staff went, and the winner wasn't uh, dope tested. Uh, if that's true, I actually went on Twitter and just asked the BHA to respond publicly, and they didn't, or DM me, and they they definitely wouldn't do that. So if that's the case, the BHA drug testing team left before the last and didn't drug test the 830 winner. That's that's quite a serious allegation. And, you know, obviously she wouldn't make that up or lie or even wouldn't have thought. But, yeah, look, it's it's just worth trying, isn't it? Um, I'm, I'm not sold on the idea. I think it might be a precursor to behind closed doors racing down the line. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm quite relaxed about it. But then again... I'm not asked to go to Wolverhampton and stay there till about nine o'clock on a Sunday night. Brendan, what what constitutes a success here for Sunday night racing? What will be deemed a success? Um, if they can get turnover, Chris Poole uh, put, put up a, a, a tweet to say that it was on par with Friday evenings in uh, Wolverhampton, which which I thought was interesting. Now you would obviously need more firms to come on and uh, different comparisons. But I remember when I was in Paris, Friday evenings were very good for turnover, particularly Dundalk. But whatever English meeting was on as well, people have finished work, they're going for a pint or what have you. Oh, we'll have a bet. We used to do great turnover of a Friday evening. So um, I was surprised to hear 
that 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 it mirrored that because I, I I think it's a very difficult space to break into. I mean, at the moment you have the NFL coming to a crescendo. The the, the playoffs start next week, and then and then when that finishes, you have the, the American golf. Uh, which I and plenty of other people watch. You can also have darts finals or on a, a Sunday night and uh, snooker finals. I like the fact that the meeting starts at five o'clock because at least that means it's before everything. So if people are looking for something to do around that that time, they say, "Oh, the racing's on." I might have a bet on this, and they might stick with it. Again, it's all it's all trial stuff. It's a six week trial, and it. it Again, things things I don't think about. But will, will no one think of the staff? I saw Shepard's interview, and he said, "Well, what sort of a work life balance we have?" I thought jockeys just had appalling work life balances in general. That they were just constantly working, and that they had to go, and they couldn't lose this ride. And and they're riding out work in the morning, then they're going racing in the afternoon. But what from what he's saying would suggest that he, he he does have certain days during the week or certain times during the week not in the summer he was very specific about that but during the winter when he can get on with his life and everyone's entitled to to, to have some some balance in their work life so again that will all have to be factored in but the, the, the trainers might say okay we had to send staff to Wolverhampton on a Sunday evening but it was good prize money so is that I mean what would be a success a success will be if ultimately the trainers and jockeys come on board, the betting companies say, yes, this is justified. We are getting a market share of the betting turnover on a Sunday evening. Let's roll with it. That's what what, what we decide whether it's a success. I mean, whether six weeks is enough of a sample size, they obviously think it will. So watch this. I thought it was an encouraging start, basically. Okay. Do you know, do you know one proposal that I don't know if they considered it? Um, because like clearly, you know, if Callum Shepherd is representative of, I suppose the more um, the view of the more the busier, more successful jockey that you know, do we really need Sunday evenings? Like, I wonder could they fiddle with the program a little bit to make it um, more, to, you know, to, to, to tailor for those who would be more enthused by it, i.e., less successful jockeys. You know, we have races in Ireland, um, you know, confined to jockeys that haven't ridden 20 winners in the last six months and things like that. And if you had a whole card like that, it would would probably be, it would probably flip the whole thing from a PR point of view in that it would serve to be, as well as, you know, providing betting product in a quiet window, it would also serve to be a showcase for um, less prolific jockeys, Um, you know, give them great, great PR, et cetera, great PR opportunity. And, um, you know, if you wanted to really stretch it, you could do something similar for the trainers, you know, confine the handicaps to trainers with less than 50 winners the previous year, something like that, just to throw numbers out there. But there are, especially particularly with the jockeys, I think there are changes you could make to um, to flip the thing on its head and rather than make it um, a chore for, you know, for lads that are tearing up and down the country every day, you can make it an opportunity for lads that, that are really keen for the opportunities that, that something like that would provide. I've yeah. got an idea. Oh. We could we could limit it to jockeys. Rufus wouldn't be eligible, obviously, the dirty hound. We could limit it to jockeys who haven't got a family or children. So they wouldn't yes. be able to win. You're right, I want to be at home with my kids who are screaming because they're teething. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Eligible oh. to jockeys who haven't got kids. 
Well, TC, you can you can take the last topic, please, because the last thing we just need to cover is the news that the BHA are increasing the fees paid by racecourses and participants to the BHA by 6% um, off the back of necessity, essentially, to help meet, well, the line is meet the added costs of industry strategy work. Uh, the BHA board has confirmed that participant fees will increase by 6% as of 2024. The rise is necessary to sustain the normal business functions of the BHA and ongoing investment as well in key areas. I suppose that number doesn't really come that much of a surprise, Tony, on the basis that the cost of everything is going up and they're trying to invest in the sport 6%. Are you surprised by that? I think they could have helped themselves by not saying... The headline is to help fund strategy work because obviously, as we've seen, a lot of trainers and jockeys don't agree with the strategy work that, that's taking place. Uh, and I don't know exactly what strategy work means or whether, you know, where that money's going. But if they took out, the, you know, to fund the strategy work, I mean, there was an 8% pay rise in, 8% increase in 2023, two and a half in 2022. So it's actually a decrease on the increase from the previous year. So it's not that much of a big deal, but I think the words to fund the strategy work will get people's backs up and probably gives the wrong impression. So, yeah. Are you, you're not, I mean, to, when TC summarises like that in terms of numbers, it, is it a bit of a nothingness story, Kev, that 6% increase from the race courses and participants? Uh, you know, there's been a couple of increases in recent years, look, inflation, et cetera, um, yeah, I didn't think it was a it was a huge story. Um, it's one, yeah, yeah, it wasn't one that really engaged me now, to be honest. But um, yeah, look, I I would I don't particularly like increasing owners' fees. Look, in line with inflation, fair enough. But um, when when you're familiar with the charges that owners get get saddled with along every step of the way, you know, especially since the transfer to a digital era, you know, it would it would grate on you a bit. Um, because you know when it was all pen and paper, you you can get it, but you know. It's, it's all automated now and there's still charges for for you know really simple innocuous things it does feel like a bit of a grift at times but um there you go that that's another one for another day um well it just goes to show you how inured we've become doesn't it 16 percent in three years and you go oh yeah well that's inflation and in fairness that's what it is money is what it used to be right but it's really gone gone mad altogether gone mad brendan um we need to wrap up this show i'm afraid so that is it boys we've gone off down some different rabbit holes today but i very much enjoyed it that's the joy of having a bit more time uh footsteps of the festival week one started low key i think it's fair to say but it's only going to ramp up a few gears we'll be leading on next week i presume we'll be looking at day two of the festival and of course before then we will have racing only better for you on thursday looking ahead to Kempton and Weatherby, isn't it, on ITV over the weekend? And Warwick. Oh, and Warwick. Fingers crossed for a dry week. We need that. And fingers crossed for Ruf, Rufus as a father, guys. Big deal. Yeah, keep keep, keep us updated now. We'll, we'll, we'll what, what's the gestation period of a dog? Is it nine months? No. Oh, way low, way, way shorter. Oh, it's, like, <laughs> it's nine weeks. It's nine weeks. So, yeah, so she's due. She's due on Thursday, essentially. Jesus, this is Game of Thrones stuff. He's not even a year yet, is he? This, this, it's, this it's is disgusting. How old is he? He is now, he's nine months now. He's nine months oh, and he's a father. I know. It's, it's a disgrace. Oh. 
I want to get social <laughs> services round here to take him <laughs> off you. I look, 15, 15, hold on, hold on. 15, well, no, it's not actually, but I was going to say 15 human years equals the first year of a dog's life. So he's still oh, only 12 or 13. <laughs> he'd have been in Brendan's choir, couldn't he? <laughs> so stick, a, stick, a, stick, a, stick a saddle on him, Vanessa. He could win the Brockles be. <laughs> he's, uh, he's not going to take any responsibility for these puppies. He signed himself out and he's already lied for his behaviour and he's been gelded the day after. So, so good luck to you, Rufus. You can go down. Uh, guys, thank you very much for your contribution, as always. And as I said, listeners and viewers, join us again on Thursday for Racing Any Better. But in the meantime, have a good week, everyone. <laughs>